ladies, good morning. I'm so excited to be here with y'all. And I'm going to let Millie, as another mentor mom, she is handing out handouts. And Jill Moore is a mentor mom, too. I don't see Jill in the room. Um, but let me, let me kind of tell you a little bit about me, and then we'll get started. Um, I'm married to David. We've been married for 23 years, and we have two kids. Emily is 17, and Daniel is 15. And if I think about it, I think it was like yesterday that I was sitting where y'all were, and now I'm not. And one of the reasons that I serve in this ministry is because I just have such a passion for your stage of life and to just encourage y'all because I think in today's world it's really easy to get discouraged that what you're doing is not important and that it's not valued and that you would be better off if you were um, out in corporate America somewhere. And I just want you to know that that's not true. And the season of life that you're in right now won't be the same forever. And it goes by really quick. So I just want you today, my main hope for you today is that you would just leave encouraged. I don't want anybody to leave going, oh my gosh, I'm not doing this right. Or I could be doing this better or whatever. Just... Just sit and listen and then think of one thing that you want to change or you want to add or you want to try to do better, but don't don't leave discouraged. Um, when I, uh, we, did, we were married about six years before I had my daughter and we lived in Atlanta at the time and um, I was working, I was an attorney, my husband was a neurosurgery resident. So we were very busy and then we moved back to Dallas and I didn't get another job. We moved back here and by then I was pregnant with my son and one of the things my friend Elizabeth, and I'll get to her in just a second, did before we moved back was she signed me up for MOPS. And so we did MOPS together and MOPS really saved my life. And it was just such a huge transition for me going from a place where I uh, got up every morning, got dressed, had a suit, had a secretary, had clients and all this stuff. And then I moved back to Dallas. And back then, people really didn't have cell phones. I know that's hard for y'all to imagine. But you had your home number and you had your work number. And you would go somewhere and you would write a check and they'd be like, what's your work number? And I'd be like... I don't have a work number, you know, and you just like, and then, it, so MOPS is great and that there were older women there that were just pouring into you saying, this is important, what you're doing is going to make a big difference, hang in there, and then I got to be with other moms who were like me, they weren't just like a bunch of loser moms who didn't have anything else to do, they were like really smart, sharp women who decided to stay home with their kids, and so that's why when, um, We've been at Watermark for about three or four years, and I'm like, I really want to serve in a ministry that ministers to young moms because it's just where I have a passion. I just wanted y'all to know that. Okay, so Elizabeth Tamla was supposed to speak with me, and for those of you who came to hear Elizabeth, I'm so sorry, but she's not here. <laughs> but she is here in spirit, and she was definitely involved in the preparations, but um, we've been friends for over 30 years, which is really scary to think that's been that long, but she and her husband had this fabulous opportunity to go in a private jet to the Kentucky Derby <laughs> with a bunch of other families, really like a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I was like, are you kidding? Go be with your friends and your husband. So they left yesterday, but she's definitely been here, and we've got lots of door prizes this morning. She was responsible for some of those, and we worked on this together, so I just wanted y'all to know that. So um, three things I want y'all to know before we get started is, one, I don't have any of this figured out. I am not here because I have got this down. I'm here because I'm further down the road than y'all, and I've made lots of mistakes. 
So that's how you get wisdom is by doing things the wrong way. Um, the second thing is every family is different. And that is just one thing you need to realize as we talk about all these things. Don't compare yourself to someone else or someone else's family. Every family is different, and comparison is the thief of joy. And if you think about that, it applies on so many different levels. So don't compare yourself with somebody else. Another thing is don't be discouraged. Just pick one thing to work on. All right, so let's start with the story of Mary and Martha. That's what we're here um, to talk about. And we, when we came up with the title for this, we said Mar- Marriage and Mothering, Are You Mary or Martha? And after we started working on this, I'm like, ooh, I wish we could change that. Because if I change the title now, it would be Unlocking the Mystery of Mary and Martha. So let's, let's read the story and we'll talk about that. And it's in your handout if you want to read along. This is from Luke 10:38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, so y'all probably heard that story before. So how many of you, when you listen to that story, see yourself as the Martha in the story? Raise your hand. How many Marthas do we have? You'd be in the kitchen, getting everything taken care of. Okay, how many Marys? Now that's not the whole room. Some of you are holding back on me. All right. All right, so this morning, here's our plan. First thing we're going to do, we're talk about the qualities of Mary and Martha because they both have great qualities. And then we're going to learn to balance between the two. Or we're going to try to figure out, you know, how you can be a little Mary and a little Martha. And for the Marthas out there, I'm going to give you some quiet time tips. And for the Marys, we're going to talk a little bit about just all the stuff that you have to do as a mom and a wife. And then I'm going to go over some hospitality tips for, for everyone. And then I have some words of wisdom that I gathered from some of my friends. That would be kind of fun to share. So, all right. And if you think about Mary and Martha, I think some people think Mary's right and Martha's wrong. But I don't think Martha should get the bad, the bad rap. And if you think about the Proverbs 31 um, woman, it lists all these different char- character qualities and things that she does. So... The Proverbs 31 woman who was held out to be like the model woman that you should look at. Here's some of the, just some of the things she did. She selected wool and flax. She worked with eager hands. She brought her food from afar. She gets up when it's still night. She provides food for her family. She considers the field and buys it. She plants a vineyard. She works vigorously. Her arms are strong for tasks. Her trading is profitable. She grabs the spindle with her fingers. Her arms are open to the poor and needy. She makes covering for her beds. She makes uh, linen and sells them. She's clothed with dignity and strength. She speaks with wisdom. She watches over her household, and she doesn't eat the bread of idleness. Now, that really sounds like a Martha to me and not a Mary. So, I, and, and I just have to confess, I'm, I'm a Martha. I'm a recovering Martha. I'm really trying to be more Mary-like. And this was such a good thing for me to prepare for because all along God was like, no, 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 you're being a Martha. Be a Mary, be a Mary, be a Mary. But when I read this, I'm like, this is how Martha got to be this way. This was the model example of what she was supposed to do. And they did not have all the conveniences we had. They had to shop. They had to prepare food. They had to fill oil lamps. They had to haul jugs of water. They had to clean the house. They had to 
do all this stuff. And then when it was the Sabbath, they couldn't do any of this stuff on the Sabbath, so they had to do all this stuff ahead of time. And if you think about it, when Jesus came to visit them, it was the Feast of the Tabernacles. So it wasn't just an ordinary day, this was an extraordinary day. So if you kind of get into the mindset of that, you can see why Martha was probably worked up. But they both have great qualities. And so let's look. So Mary, if you think about Mary, I like to think Mary would be the kind of person who would start her day saying, who could I spend time with today? And she would be worshipful, and she would have a good perspective, and she would be very very peaceful, and she wouldn't be worried about all these things. And then Martha, on the other hand, she would start the day saying, what can I get done today? What's on my to-do list? Let's see what I can get done. And she is very service-oriented. She's a perfectionist. She's uh, practical and efficient. And she's hospitable. She's opened her home. But the one uh, great thing I see about Martha is she is teachable. So if you look at the, the story we just read, Jesus is saying to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things. But then later in the New Testament, in John, in um, John 12, 1 through 3, Jesus comes back to Martha's house. And this time we see Mary is still being Mary, even probably even more so, but Martha has learned from her mistake before. So in that story, um, John 12, 1 through 3, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his hair with her feet. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. So we see there Martha, she's serving, but she's not anxious. She's not frantic. And Mary is still at Jesus' feet. So I think that is an encouragement that just because you're a Martha... You might get it wrong once. You are teachable, and you can learn from that. So the question is, how do we balance these two? Because we all know, if you have a family, you have um, they have to be fed, the house has to be clean, laundry has to be done, things just don't magically appear. On the other hand, it is so important to balance it out with spending time with God and, and making yourself available and not frazzled so that you have time to really savor in the moments with your kids. And that's the one thing, being a Martha, I can look back and it's like I don't have any uh, regrets that my house wasn't cleaner, that the laundry wasn't folded better, that my food didn't taste better, but I do regret that there were times when my daughter, who's now 17, was three and would be like, let's play Barbies and I'm like, just a minute I gotta unload the dishwasher I gotta do this or I gotta do that so I'm just saying um, if I had to do it over again I would play more and do housework less or cook you know hamburger helper instead of some other meal or whatever it is just you know so that that's just one thing you don't want to let your busyness rob you of an opportunity to be with people so the key for that is unlocking what's the balance So what I think our goals are is we want to have a Mary heart and Martha hands. We want to worship like Mary and then work like Martha. We want to spend time with Jesus and then get our stuff done. Worship God before you work so that you can worship God in your work. And we're going to talk specifically about quiet times and what that looks like when you've got little ones hanging all over you. But that that's, in my mind, it's not, I want all the Marthas to be Marys and I want all the Marys to be Marthas. You know, we need to be a little of both and balance that out. So I think the key for everyone in that is 
You need to ask God what balance means for your family. Every family is different. God created your family and he knows how to make it work best. So what's balanced for Jackie is not going to be balanced for Allison. So I would just say that that would be the number one place I would start is just pray and ask God for wisdom on what balance is. And just know, too, it's going to change. I mean, what's balance right now when you have one little baby that can't move and only eats one thing? It's going to change when you have three kids or they start school or you're driving all over town to different events and soccer practices and stuff like that. So it's a constant thing, which is a great thing because you want to be in front of God asking him all the time. And it may be a daily thing. Okay, God, what's the balance today? How How do I do this? Okay, so balance spelled out, and I think this is in your handout. Um, We've kind of done a a little thing to help you with this. Uh, The first one for B is be simple. And from Ecclesiastes, we know there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. I would say take into consideration the season of life that you're in. If you have little bitty ones, it's not the season to be dragging them all over town, doing all sorts of stuff. Just enjoy being home. And if you're, um, you know, it's probably not the season to be having fancy dinner parties and doing all sorts of stuff like that. Just enjoy the season that you're in. And when you have um, people over, things like that, just you need to figure out what, who your audience is. If you're having a bunch of three and four year olds over, you, you don't even need to worry if the house is picked up. Now, if you're having your husband's boss over, you might want to think a little bit more about that. But just know who your audience is. And don't micromanage all your stuff. So just keep, keep it simple. Remember the season of life that you're in. Okay, the A is allow for margin. And I just think this is so important. And most of the days when I get myself into trouble, it's because I have not thought about my time correctly. Like, if you, if you think about it, like, okay, it takes me 10 minutes to get the kids in the car and it takes you know 15 minutes to drive here well if you only allow yourself 25 minutes what's going to happen you're going to be late (laughs) exactly so why do that to yourself back yourself out and say we're going to we're going to leave 45 minutes early and then if you're five minutes late out the door you're not stressed about it the phone rings or something happened. What did I have? The other day I had a bird flew in my house. It's like, well, that was not planned. You know, so that just took a little bit of time. But if you don't have the margin to deal with that, then you just run around being stressed out. And I think especially with kids, it's like you're going to be a better mom if you allow for margin. You think about it, and you all probably heard this example before. If you look at the pages of a book, they don't run the print top to bottom, side to side. There's a margin around that. And there's a reason for that is because if that's the way the pages of a book were looked, you would just be overwhelmed trying to read the book. It would just all blur together and you wouldn't know what you were doing. So give yourself margin. Um, Learn to budget your time. I would say it's very important to try to to get a handle on this before your kids start school. If you are going to be responsible for getting kids to school, it is important that they be on time for a variety of reasons. <laughs> but um, so that's a, it's a good thing to just start uh, training early. And you might, you know, we used to do the five minute rule. We're leaving, you know, at five minutes instead of like, we gotta go, we gotta get out the door, let's go. You know, it's like in little ones especially don't respond very well to that. So give, yeah, you all know this. Give yourself time. Okay, uh, L is for line up with Christ's priorities. And I think this goes back to asking God for what balances for your family. So that uh, verse for that is Matthew 6.33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So what are our priorities? So we know from Genesis uh, 2.18... 
God created woman to be man's helpmate. That's the reason we were made. Now, you might like that, you might not like that, but that was God's plan. You're to be your husband's helpmate. So that that's um, that's a priority for sure. And then we know from uh, 1 Timothy 5, 9 through 10, Paul was writing um, about what the uh, qualification would be qualifications would be for widows to be able to get help from the church. And he wrote, No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she's over 60 and has been faithful to her husband and is well known for good deeds such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. So those are other qualities that are important as well. So now what I don't see in there is, um, you know, Bunko, Junior League, Tennis League, PTF, all this kind of stuff. These are the priorities first. I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm just saying this should be your priority. So you want to line up uh, with what God's priorities are for you. And I think one of the big lies that women believe, and you hear it all the time, is that I just don't have enough time to get everything done. I just ran out of time. There's not enough time in the day. Well, the truth is you have time to do what God wants you to do. So that the key to that is figuring out what that is. And if you've got too much on your plate, then you probably need to prioritize. If you run around feeling all the time like, I can't get enough done, I don't have enough time for this, then you've probably got your priorities out of whack. And again, your priorities, what you can do and you can manage, is not going to be the same for somebody else. I don't know how many of you know Kay Wyman in the church here. She has five kids. She's just written a book. She's about to go on a tour. But I don't know very many women that can do that. But you know, she is a great mom, wife, godly woman, and she can handle that, but not everybody can. So you need to figure out what you can you know, what you can handle and what you can do. And your capacity, like if you're a nursing mom or you have an infant or if you're in the last stages of pregnancy, you probably don't have as much capacity as you will later on when your kids sleep through the night and can feed themselves and things like that. So just just know that that can change. And just because you don't have capacity for really anything else than just day-to-day life doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. And I would say on that, keeping your priorities in line, don't let your to-do, if you're a Martha and you're a list writer and you like to have your to-do list, don't let your to-do list suck you through the day. I like to think about when you go to the car wash and you line your little wheels up and the guy, you know, tells you to come through and all of a sudden your car just goes, and that's how your to-do list can be some days. It's like you're so focused on, got to get this done, and at the end of the day, you're like, look at all I did, and I made it, got to cross all these things off, or if there's a day when you have all this stuff left over on your list, you're like, I really didn't do that much today because I had all the stuff left on my list. But the reality of it is, if you got a little margin and you balance things out, you may not have gotten everything done on your list, but you may have sat on the floor and played with your child. Or you may have encouraged a friend on the phone. Or you maybe you had an awesome quiet time. And that's okay. So you just need to try to prioritize and balance things out. All right. A is for ask the Lord for wisdom in your personal decision about times and priorities. Kind of the same thing. And for that, we're going to look at James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And I just think that is such a comfort to know. Just ask God, and he will give you wisdom. I mean, what an, ama- what an amazing thing that is. So ask him about your decisions. N is never put projects before people. Matthew twenty two thirty nine and the second are like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I would just say on that, 
consider what you what you take on. If you're going to take on some kind of project that's going to take you away from your family, your husband, uh, the ability to love on uh, your neighbor, your friends, your parents, then you probably need to reconsider that. People are more important than projects. C is commitments. Commitments will look different during different seasons in life, and we, we've talked about that. I mean, what you can handle when they're little is different when they're big. That you just want to, you know, think about. You can still like, you can still have friends over for dinner, but at your stage it might be we're going to eat on paper plates in the backyard and we're going to have Kentucky Fried Chicken. And when uh, your kids are older, then you might be like, we're going to reuse real dishes and silverware, you know. So just keep that in mind. All right, E is for excellence. And excellent comes in many forms, but that does not mean perfection. So there's a big difference. Um, giving an excellent birthday party does not mean that you have to make every dish from scratch. You have to cook the cake from scratch. You serve it on fine china. What it does mean is that you're joyful and you're thinking about serving others. Um, the other thing is having a meaningful quiet time does not mean you have to start at 5 a.m. It has to last for an hour. But it does mean that you've spent time with the Lord, you've worshipped Him, and you've pushed the reset button with Him for the day. And I think it seems so simple, but it dawned on me as I was preparing for this quiet time. Quiet time implies that you're quiet, that you're not talking, that you're actually listening. So instead of just spouting off to the Lord, I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed, I've, you know, these kids or whatever, it's like, listen to Him. Just give yourself an opportunity to be still. And I know at y'all stage, that's really hard. Sometimes that may mean like, can I just sit on the toilet by myself without somebody <laughs> hanging around my legs? So we'll, we'll talk about different ideas for that. But, um, but just don't cut yourself a little slack and realize being excellent does not, does not mean it has to be like over the top, you know, every, all the time. All right, so if you're a Martha, you might need some help on how to be more worshipful and how to have an effective quiet time. And this... Um, and these are just ideas, and, and like I said, just if this works for you, great. But I don't want I don't want anybody to run up and be like, okay, I've got to go get a basket and a binder and a journal and note cards. I've got to start memorizing scripture. I've got to read this book. Blah blah blah. No, just listen to this and think, oh, well, I might try that, or that might be a good idea. All right, when you, if you were to do an internet search on quiet times, which I would not recommend that you do, because they are not written for people in your stage of life. They are written for people who have um, a lot of flexibility, are well-rested, have a lot of margin, things like that. So it would say you need to be in the same place at the same time, and you need to be well-planned every single day. Um, It's just not written for young moms. So you're going to need to be creative about what your quiet time is going to look like. And I would say it's going to probably... It might be different every single day. And it certainly is going to be different as your stages, as you go through stages. If you're a nursing mom and you've been up in the middle of the night, you're probably not going to set the alarm at 5 a.m. and get up and have a quiet time. And that's okay. Now, is it better to start your day with spending time with the Lord? Absolutely. I mean, I think, I mean, what a better way to do that. But the reality of it is sometimes that's, that's not how you can start your day. And if you do that and you're already grouchy by 10 o'clock and you're snapping at your kids, then I would say that you might want to think of a different time and then revisit the early time later on. All right, so let's look at why do we have a quiet time. What's the reason you have a quiet time? It's not for God, it's for you. So to enjoy fellowship with God and get to know Him better. 
and I think on your handout there's different verses that go with this, but one I looked at was uh, Philippians 3, 8 through 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death. So to know Christ, I mean, how do you get to really know somebody? If you, if you meet somebody and you think, wow, I'd really like to get to know her better, what do you do? You spend time together. You call her on the phone or you meet for lunch or you meet at the park or something like that. So if you want to know Christ, you need to spend time with him. Other reason is to delight God. Uh, Proverbs 15.8 The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. So God, God loves you. He wants you to spend time with him. To discover principles to direct our lives. And this is a great verse. Psalm 119.105 Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And I just think that is so amazing. Um, and the last one, to develop perspectives on life from God's point of view. Romans 12.2 Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, have a quiet time. Enjoy fellowship with God. Get to know Him better. Delight God. Discover principles for your life. And to have the perspective of your life from God's point of view. And for those of you that were here when Judy Wimberly spoke, she gave this great example of the binoculars. And that if you ever pick up binoculars and look at through them from the wrong end, your, your view is completely skewed. But if you look at binoculars from the right end, everything is clear and in focus. So if you have God's word in your heart and you've meditated on that, it's just going to change your perspective on that. And if you, especially like if you're, angry or husband or your kids or something like that when you've read God's word and you think about what he did for you and what he died on the cross for you and the suffering he endured it's really hard to be angry at somebody so just even you know just for the I mean the selfish point that it would help you be a better mom that's a great reason right there just to spend time with God alright so when to have a quiet time um and I think some people get caught up in like, it's more, I'm more spiritual if I have a quiet time at 5 a.m. But I would say, not necessarily. That goes back to asking God for wisdom. What's, what's the balance for you and your family? What's God's priority for you? When can you make this happen? And the other thing about having a quiet time not in the house before everybody gets up, it's great for your kids to see you in God's Word. Have the Bible on in the counter. What are you doing? I'm reading the Bible. You want to come sit and read with me? Um, but know, too, that and I used to say, like, the phone is a child magnet. As soon as you put the phone to your ear, they all, you know, come and interrupt. And I think, too, if you're sitting there quietly having a quiet time and they interrupt you, don't be upset with them. Just, you know, come and have them join in with you or give them a second or whatever. But you certainly don't want to blow up at your kids if they interrupt your quiet time. So let's, and the, so let's, let's think about different ways you could have a quiet time. And what I would suggest you do is if you're really struggling with this and you don't have a set time or you're not having any time at all, Think about if you were going to try to schedule a meeting with somebody. When would be the times that you could do something like this? So you could do it early in the morning uh, before they get up. You could do it during nap time. You could do it while they watch the show. We're going to put in a Veggie Tales, and Mommy's going to sit you know, in the next room, and if you need me, I'm right here. You could do it while they play outside. Now, I realize some of you, if you have little bitty ones, you're like, 
she's crazy. There's no way I could let them outside without supervising or whatever. But these are just different ideas. Um, you can also use, um, for those of you that might have older kids that are in the car, you can use your time in your car. Not as your whole quiet time, but you certainly can have little devotional books. You can have praise music. You can have scripture you're m- memorizing. You can have prayer cards. Everybody, uh, most phones, you can have an app or something like that where you have a devotional. So just when you're really busy, try to capitalize on the time you can to spend time in God's Word. All right, and know that this is a continual thing. It's not like, okay, check, I've got this done, I spent this time, and now I've got this marked off during the day. I would just say continually... um, Seek the Lord and keep a scripture in your purse or, in, like I said, by your phone in the kitchen or over your countertop. I know Millie's a huge proponent of framing scripture and having it, you know, all over her house. Like, don't just think of this as an isolated, isolated event or time. Just be creative and think about ways that you can keep going back to God's word throughout the day. Like maybe your changing table. You put something close to your changing table. I know y'all change lots of diapers, so that'd be a good time for you to do that. Right, so what are parts of a quiet time? And um, one format is the ACTS format, and we use that in women's Bible study. And the ACTS stands for Adoration, Confession, Oh my gosh, my notes are, oh, uh, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. So let's go through. I think I put all of this in your, um, in your handout so that you would have these verses that you could go back to. So adoration, spend time praising the Lord by praying the psalms back to him. And there are a couple of different psalms there. Listening to praise music or praising him for his attributes. So just basically thanking him for what he's done. And sometimes um, I have, well, Elizabeth actually does this. She's just started writing down things throughout the day that she's, that she's thankful for. Just little bitty things. Um, and I think she does it on her phone. So she can just be reminded constantly of what God's done for her. I think if you're like a journaler, I think that's a great way um, to keep up with the things that God's done for you. And another, um, so you just, it, it doesn't have to be something huge. It can just be like, thank you that I slept through the night. Thank you that my baby didn't wake me up. Thank you that, um, you know, I don't have to cook dinner tonight or whatever. It doesn't have to be some huge, giant thing. But just being thankful to God. All right, C is for confession. Ask God to search your heart and confess any sins the Holy Spirit reveals to you. Um, and I have a friend who calls this the hound of heaven. If you have, feel this little, like, <laughs> nipping at you, sometimes it can be the Holy Spirit. being like, oh, you know, you probably do need to apologize for being short-tempered or um, grubby to your kids or your spouse or whatever. But just confessing to God something if you know you've done something wrong and asking him to show you. All right, Thanksgiving. Thank God for all he's done and is doing in your life and the lives of others. Um, start a journal. Um, one thing I've done is we've had different situations. Our our family, um, we have a, a ranch that's been in our family for over 100 years. And last year when all the fires were out at Possum Kingdom, we were one of the properties that um, was on fire. And it was um, an absolutely amazing and terrifying time in our life. But I had friends that sent kind of prayer blasts out to different people. And when people would respond, I saved all those. So I have a folder in my email account called Prayers. And I just drug everybody's responses over there. And then this year on the one-year anniversary, it was just so neat to go back and see how everybody lifted us up in prayer, just what a blessing that was. And then I used that to send um, 
an email out to those people just thanking them and just and I sent some pictures from this year what it looked like and just to let people know about God's faithfulness and what he did in that in that year and just to thank them. So I, and I have different ones and there are friends that you know, different crises in their lives. And it, I think that's neat. And I would encourage y'all to do that. Just start a prayer folder or you can use your name or whatever. And just but that's a good way to keep those without a lot of work. And it's just neat to look back and see how God's been faithful. All right, the S is for supplication. Pray for specific things each day, such as personal concerns, family events, missionaries, etc. Um, write down your requests and you have a, an idea of God's uh, guidance and faithfulness. And I don't know... I was in a, a group of women called Creative Homemakers. I don't know if anybody's heard of that. It's kind of a corny name. But um, we kind of evolved. It was a curriculum, three-year curriculum, and then we evolved into sort of an accountability group. And now we're pretty much just, I mean, we're friends. We pray for each other. But we kept a record of all these different things we prayed for. And our kids are now, you know, 15, 17. We have some in college. And it's pretty cool to look back and be like, I remember when we were praying for him to be potty trained. I remember when we were praying for him to not use potty leg, which I remember, you know, all these different things. So if you have a group or uh, friends or something like that, or even your community group women, just think about that because um, it is amazing to see what, what the Lord can do and what was on your heart then versus what's on your heart now. I have a friend who says, when my kids were little, I spent all my time talking to them about God. And now that they're bigger, I spend all my time talking to God about them. So, all right, let's look at the tools um, that could be part of your quiet time. So one thing um, you could do, if you don't have a set location every day, you want to kind of be mobile with where you're going to be able to do that. You need to have a place to keep all your stuff together. And I think it's helpful, too, like if you're in women's Bible study or any other kind of Bible study, to be able to have your Bible study lesson and your Bible and all the things together. So one thing you could consider having is a tote or a basket or a bag or something like that where you would keep all your stuff. I know people that have Bibles in different parts of the house, so you could uh, do that as well. Have some kind of place, if you um, like to write on paper, you could have a journal. I know some people keep this stuff on their phones now, but but a journal, note card, some sort of prayer system. Uh, You could also keep thank you cards or just little note cards. And I think this sometimes is a really neat part of uh, a quiet time, like when you're praying for the Lord for for somebody, just write them a note of encouragement. I mean, how many pieces of real mail do you get anymore? Not many. So if you got a note from a friend that was just like, I just want you to know I was praying for you today. Just lifted you out, just wanted you to be encouraged. So you might keep some note cards there. Um, and the other thing I would say is have some kind of piece of paper or something like that that if you're having your quiet time and you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot to make that doctor's appointment, you can just write that down in the piece of paper so you can just move on. Just like, I remember this, I don't want to forget this later, and then you can move on. All right, we have a few giveaways, and I'm going to let Jill help me with that. I love little, I love little treats, so I want you all to leave with some fun stuff. All right, so we have... You got the bowl with the name. The bowl with the names. All right, we'll we'll continue on, and then we'll do some more of those in a second. Okay. Um, other ideas besides just the logistics of your tools. Um, books that you can have. Um, My utmost for his highest. Um, Power of a praying mom is a great book. Power of a praying wife. Um, any. I mean, almost. 
you can there's devotionals all over the place. Um, emails that come to you like join the journey. Everybody knows about that. Um, or different ones. There's uh, Crosswalk has one for marriage, for women, for children. I get one from um, uh, James Dennison. He was a pastor um, here in Dallas, and he writes kind of ties in current events with um, scripture, and that's kind of good for me because I don't read the paper really and I really don't like to read no y'all don't ever y'all probably don't even get the newspaper anymore <laughs> but um, to be able to keep up kind of with some current events and how he ties that in and specifically how you can pray for people um, are we ready? ready okay so let's give away we've got some baskets yeah okay so let's just start drawing names okay Melissa Conklin Okay. So y'all can come. So we've got um, two baskets. We've got some notepads. They get to You can pick whatever you want. And then we have Elizabeth actually wrote this. This is called the ABCs of Prayer for Your Children. And she just took each letter of the alphabet. Like F is for fight the good fight. First Thessalonians six twelve. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you were made. A good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So she did a scripture for each letter of the alphabet. So that's that's one of those things too. And I'm, we can get you some of these if you if you would like them. Okay, Lindsay Carricker. Do you want her to take? Yes, you can pick. But not this stuff is for later. Journal or? Okay, keep going. Gina, Tibet. Why don't we stop after that? Let me do a little bit more. Okay. 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 We're gonna. I'll do a little bit more, and then we'll give some more stuff away. Um, one of the things I like to do um, during my quiet time is do searches like a Bible gateway on the computer. Like I want to. I want to search all the verses that talk about um, truth or friendship, or submission, or wisdom, or, and I think sometimes in parenting, it's a, it's a really great tool, and it's so neat when you have all those verses, especially to see from the Old Testament to the New Testament, all the t- places in the Bible where it talks about God's faithfulness, or God's, you know, it, just anything, or being a wife, or a mom, or whatever, but I would say if you're going to use your computer for stuff like that, then you need to, like, Shut your email off and don't, I mean, don't get distracted by the ding, ding that you have an email in your inbox. So just use it for that or, or print it out and then take it to where you're going to have your quiet time. So there's lots of great apps for quiet time too. Um, some of those, Jesus Calling, and there's a book that she's written, but actually the app is, I think is better because it actually has the scripture on there and not just um, what she's written for the day. Uh, day Spring, Living Word, Daily Bread. U version. I think my daughter has like a Bible shake up where it's like a new thing every day. Um, let's see. One idea for prayer would be to set aside a day a week for different things. Like Monday, you're going to pray for missionaries. Tuesday, you're going to pray for government leaders. Thursday, you're going to pray for church leaders. Thursday, you're going to pray for health concerns or just different things like that. Because I think it can be overwhelming to try to pray for every single thing every single day. Because I'll just tell you this, ladies. Nobody's going to pray for your family like you're going to pray for your family. Nobody's going to pray for your spouse like you're going to pray for your spouse. So I would say that would be a, a priority to me before I would you know, pray for 
missionaries or somebody else's extended family member or something like that. Uh, let's see. Um, CDs, great. Listen to music. Listen to you know all those sermons. Well, pretty much anything that's been recorded at Watermark you can listen to online. And you can watch some of them too. All the Wednesday morning Bible study things are recorded. So you can use that. Uh, memorizing scripture. That's a great thing to do. You can carry it in your purse. You can have a friend who laminates hers and hangs in the shower. Use that time. Just really trying to capture the time you have, the downtime, or like when you're blow drying your hair, you're putting on makeup or whatever. Now, I'm saying this, don't get overwhelmed by that, oh my gosh, I can't even dry my hair without memorizing scripture. Like, if, that's a, if, that, if you're wired that way, go for it. But don't, don't feel bad about that. All right, um, some fresh ideas if you're kind of stuck. And I know some people are like, oh, well, if you can't read anything else, you can just read uh, a Proverbs today because there's 31 and you could just start over and over. I would say it's probably better to be a little bit more intentional than that. And if that's all you can get done, that's better than nothing. So um, books, there's great books like Lies Women Believe. Um, I talked about Power Power of Praying Wife, Power of Praying Mom. Those are both great, great books. Um, There's a new book out. I'm going to give this away by Linda Dillow. It's called What's It Like to Be Married to Me? And if you want to be scared, ladies, (laughs) read this book. (laughs) But it has a Bible study in the back of it. And um, I think I'm going to try to get our community group to do this. But anyway, I'm going to give that away. Um, Have an accountability partner. Like somebody not, not to guilt you out but to encourage you and be like what did you read today or what did you study or what did, what did God show you today or um, just somebody that can see see how you're doing with that um, you can illustrate um, a journal, Elizabeth's big on this, she loves to do artwork and stuff so she'll, she has all kinds of colored pencils that she'll draw in her journal as she's, as she's writing things down one of her tips was use time when your brain is not occupied to talk to God or memorize scripture. That might be like laundry, when you're doing dishes, when you're rocking a baby. I think especially for those of you that are nursing in the middle of the night. I and mean, that just used to be one of the sweetest times. And I know when you're in it, you're thinking, this is not so sweet. I'd love to be in my bed. But truly, it's just you and your baby by yourself. And you can really capitalize on that, on that time. One idea... Um, for your kids, like if you are trying to do this during the day when they're awake, you might want to have a special basket or something like that that just has things they only get to do during quiet time, like a puzzle or a book or uh, whatever it is that they know when you pull that basket out, it's mommy's quiet time. So those are some ideas. All right, so let's give some more stuff away. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Angie Capel. <coughs> Yay, Angie! Woo! And another one? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we got all these. Katie Webb. Okay, Katie. You're welcome. So you can whatever you want. Oh. She's a brave Yeah, yeah. That's okay. great. Okay. Uh, two more. Okay, Stephanie Barner. Okay. And... Okay, awesome. Is it Melissa McKee? She's taking the book. Y'all have to ask her about it. We got one more. Okay. I think they did. Okay, here. So it's either this or the basket. Okay. Okay. All right, got one more. Okay, and Alicia Ilian. 
See you? Okay. There's that. Okay. Great. Okay. All right. So that, that's kind of the quiet time part. So I think we have time. What I'd love for you all to do now, and I know you all love to talk, let's spend like five minutes at your table and talk amongst yourselves and talk about like how you do quiet time or how you're not doing quiet time or what you're going to work on. Or if, you, if somebody has a great idea at their table for how they're doing this or something that's worked for them, I would love for you all to pick one or two things from your table and let's go in and share afterwards about how you make this work for you. Okay? Okay. Chat. So let's walk around, or let her walk around and get y'all's great tips. Who would like to start? Good ideas they want to share? Something they're doing that they think has been helpful? Okay. Um, two things. One, when I've got a really busy day, I have some little cards on a ring, and I'll just try to get like one verse out of what I read and like have it with me in the car. So I'm kind of re- reading that verse many times through the day. And then the other idea that um, was really good in the chapter of John with the journey was I have colored pencils, and like in my study Bible, it has different you know like themes of each chapter, and I'll try to use colored pencils and like mark. When I read the passage, like I'm looking for Father, and so I put like a little blue crown over every time I saw Father in my Bible, and it helped me to kind of have a goal that I was looking for in the chapters, and like see how many times Jesus was emphasizing that, like in that chapter, and that helped me. That's great. Others? Come on, ladies, y'all are smart. There's a tool that we teach in Equip Disciple, and it's called Seven Minutes with God, and um, that's what I've been doing right now. My kids actually nap at the same time, so as soon as they get down, I might go to the restroom, but that's it. No dishes, no anything, and I sit down at my desk, because I'm a desk person, and I get my seven minutes in. So, you know, I pray, then you read scripture, and then you pray it again, and... um, that has been super effective because you can usually get seven minutes in no matter what. Um, even if you don't hit snooze, that's seven minutes that you can get in. And um, it's been amazing to see how fruitful that can become. And the kids sleep longer for some reason, and I can spend a little bit more time. And, um, and that really lifts the guilt off of my heart for not having spent time in God's Word. But there are days, and I may just think of a scripture or think of something I read in a Bible study or something that can still kind of get in there and be that pray, I'll meditate on that, and then pray it out again. And um, that's been pretty simple to do with a one- and three-year-old around the house. That's great. Great, great info. All right. Other ideas? Tips? Um, We have two from our table. One was shared about um, a bookmark that's praying for your husband. And so in the morning... um, she would sit down with her son and they pray at breakfast every morning and now her son asks to do it for their dad um, and they have a scripture that they pray together so they pray for daddy every morning at breakfast that's great and then the other one is, is just memorizing scripture for yourself um, is teaching your children at the same time because I found I had a really hard time memorizing scripture until I started encouraging my son to memorize scripture and you're, I'm surprised at how young 
you can start with the little ones and how quick they get onto it and how they want to repeat it and have you do it with them. And so that's been really helpful. And then there's a CD too called Seeds of Worship. Um, if anybody's, I don't know, I think people have heard of it, but each song is specific scripture and it's not obnoxious. I actually enjoy listening to it. And um, my son requests specific songs now. And so that's it. That's awesome. Thank you. Anyone else? I feel like we had quite a few good ones, too. Um, uh, Books on CD was a really good option for those of us that do a lot better listening. Uh, Just um, uh, checking out out at the library or, um, you know, something like that when you're in the car or you're at home doing laundry or something like that that might work if it if that fits your personality um and then uh one other one that that i've been doing for a while it's it's through a website called inspired to action and it's called hello mornings challenge and you basically go and sign up and um they put you in a group of women that want to wake up at the same time as you in your time zone and then they put you in a facebook group and you go when you wake up in the morning and you log on and you say, hey, I'm awake, I'm going to go have my quiet time. And it's really encouraging to see the 15 to 20 other women in your group that are up at the same time, and they're going to have their quiet time, and, you know, you can share prayer requests and um, all that. And sometimes they have a Bible study you can do with it, or you can choose not to. Um, But it's really just a great accountability tool for that. And it's real fun because you get to know these women, even though you live in totally different states or you've never met them. So that's really cool. That's great. Okay, so what I hope y'all take away from this is if, you, if this is an area where you're struggling, you have great resources all around you. And not at the internet or whatever, but like real moms who are in your stage of life that you can just say, hey, how do you do this? What, how do you make this work? Give me some ideas or pray for me. Pray for me that I can figure this out. Okay? All right, so I hope everybody has one idea they want to think about and is encouraged. So let's move now. If you're a Mary and if you're one who likes to sit and listen and talk and and you might need a little motivation around your house, then let's talk about some tips for home organization. Um, So the verse I'd like for that is 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And that's what you really, your goal should be. Not perfection, not to outdo somebody else, not to have your house be perfect, but to glorify God. So my um, seven steps, I think they're important for everybody in that is, the first one is get a system. Household duties never go away. Get a system for them and realize that the system is going to change as your family changes. So... You're always going to have to do laundry. You're always going to have to grocery shop. You're always going to have to cook meals. So figure out what works for you. Um, and not don't just kind of plod along every day going, I wish I could figure out how to do this. Uh, second one is every family is different. And I think a lot of this, and it took me a while to figure this out, it, that is affected by your family of origin. Now, I, my dad died when I was very young. I was the only child. It was just my mom and me. I never saw anybody. My mom did everything, obviously, because I didn't have a dad. So I didn't really have this kind of background. But I have a friend, and she grew up in a home where her dad did absolutely everything. He made every decision. He paid every bill. He managed every detail. I mean, the mom, her mom did, like, the cooking and stuff like that. But he was the one who was in charge and security. She married a man 
whose mom did everything. Dad was very passive. Mom did everything. She made every decision or whatever. So they get married, and she's like, what's up? And he's like, what's up? And so they just kind of, for a long time in their marriage, it was just very frightening because no one was really in charge. They were going to do a patio project, and it just, like, it took forever because no one would make a decision. And it finally dawned on them, it's like, we're both expecting the other person to rise to the challenge because that's how we were raised. Um, uh, Elizabeth will tell you she came from a family where her mom was very ill when she was in high school. And so she just kind of, she's like, I don't I think I raised myself. She just kind of, they sort of existed because her mom was really sick. And her husband was from a family where... Um, they were, you know, kind of fun-loving, and his mom did a lot of stuff too, and his dad wasn't as much in charge, and it, they just had a hard time trying to figure out. We're now real adult people, and somebody has to be in charge of this. So think about that, and you might see that in your own marriage, like your how, you know, what your husband grew up with, um, and what you grew up with is going to affect what you come into marriage with. My third point is don't give up. Some progress is better than no progress at all. So don't focus on what you're not doing well. Focus on what you are doing well. Like if you are totally out of control with meals and grocery shopping, but your laundry is great, A+. plus. Good for you. Good for you. Um, do not expect perfection. This is not about being a Martha Stewart. This is just trying to get a handle on things. All right, learn to delegate. And when you do that, I would say uh, don't undo what you've asked to be delegated. Your husband is not going to diaper a baby like you. He is not going to clean the kitchen like you. He is not going to fold laundry like you. But if you ask him to do something, just, just let it go. Because if you go in there and redo it, He's not going to want to fold the laundry again or unload the dishwasher or whatever it is. And the same thing with your kids. And that requires training. You can't just say, put the silverware in the drawer. You'd have to be like, this this is how we do this. And we put the spoons here and the forks here and whatever. And they're going to make mistakes, but they love to help. But if you let them do something, don't don't go back and do it over again. And I would say, um, especially when your kids get older, if they can text, if they can use computers, if they can program alarms on their phone, they can use use the washing machine and they can uh, remember they can set an alarm to go pick up the dry cleaning or whatever so don't underestimate what they can really do now I'm not saying you delegate everything to them to take stuff off your list but but they're capable of more than we give them credit for and again back to margin leave yourself margin if you don't leave yourself margin you're going to be exhausted and you're not going to be any good to anyone and that you know not just getting out the door with your kids but like really how long does it take you to go to the grocery store oh I'm just going to run in here it's going to take 15 minutes well really is it really what if it's backed up what if there's only one checker what if those little self checking things are telling you every time item not recognized or put the item back or whatever so give, your, give yourself margin for that Alright, I think the the big area, and when I was thinking about this, probably the the thing to me that was the most overwhelming is just the overall home management. It's not like I could you know get a handle on laundry or groceries or paper, but it's just the idea of I am now responsible for my home and all that entails. And really, it's just not taught. I mean, I went to school back in the dark ages when they actually had home economics and they had a room that had stoves and washing machines and stuff like that. But I never took that class. Um, I wish I had. Um, But 
it's hard to know all the, I think somebody said, we're just expected to know that you're supposed to change your air conditioner filters ever so often, or you're supposed to dust the top of your ceiling fans, or you're supposed to vacuum out these vents on different things, or or whatever it is. It's just, it's overwhelming. Um, so you need to kind of get a system for that. And I'm, I'm going to give this away at the end, but I want to show you this. And, th- and this is just somebody's idea, but I think she does this well. Her name is Kathy Peel. It's called The Busy Mom's Guide to a Happy Organized Home. And she talks about just different things um, with your home, everything from uh, automobiles, home maintenance, warranties, uh, all different things like that. So if you if this is an area where you really don't know what you're doing, this is a good source. And I love her. She's a Christian. So, I mean, God's a priority in here. And she's not over-the-top, like, nutty or whatever. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good book. There's also, I did a quick Google search. There's all different kinds of things on, like, how you actually manage the stuff in your home. But the one thing that you need to figure out is somebody has to be responsible for this. So is it going to be you or is it going to be your husband? And one of those, and just a list of um, the things that that came to the top of my head was like home maintenance, uh, repairs, filters, changing batteries, fixing broken things, automobiles, inspections, oil changes, insurance. Like who's going to get the quotes for the car, the health, the home? Who's going to be responsible for gifts, birthdays, holidays, um, information uh, gathering? Just That's just a few of the things that you have to be responsible for. So I would say early on in your marriage, try to figure it out and balance out. And, you know, every family is different. My husband has a very, very busy, demanding job. And I try to do everything I can so that when he comes home, he can spend time with our kids. Now, I have friends who, like, that would never work in their household because their husband would feel threatened and would, it just would not work. So you just got to figure, just figure this out. But, but somebody does have to be responsible for this. Um, one thing I think that is key for this is having a calendar. And I would, how many people still use a paper calendar? Wow, that's way more than I thought. Okay, um, I don't, it didn't matter what it is, but you need a calendar, and you need a system that works, and you need to be able to keep up with stuff. And when your kids start school, this is incredibly important because you are you're now not just responsible for your own stuff; you're responsible for all of their stuff as well. So have, figure out a way that you can do that, um, and and teach your kids how to you look at your calendar too, which. So for some people, if you write personal stuff on there, you probably want to figure out a different system or a different calendar they can look at or whatever. But um, like when you started your period or something like that, you don't want your little one to know. But, um, but you know, ha- ha- they need to be able, instead of asking you all the time, when's this, when's that, if they know they can go look at the calendar, that's very helpful. One thing with home maintenance I would say is watch what you bring into your house. Um, the more you accumulate, the more you have to clean, the more you have to maintain, the more times it takes. Um, if you bring in something that requires polishing or all this, or even even live plants, I mean, sometimes that could be overwhelming just to keep a plant alive. So think about that before you bring something in your home. What what are you going to do with it? Um, Clutter control, you need to have some kind of a plan to deal with that because as your kids get older and they start bringing more and more stuff home, you just you need a plan. And sometimes that, I mean, sometimes for us, I know it's getting towards the end of school. I'm like, I, I need to go tackle this closet before they get out of school or whatever. But you need to have some kind of plan for that. And then cleaning. I would say 
every family needs to decide how clean is clean enough. Like I have a friend whose husband travels a lot. He's used to hotel uh, beds where the sheets are nice and soft and fresh all the time. So he likes their sheets changed twice a week. I know. <laughs> We're all like, wow. But 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 for them, but for them, that that's important. But for some people, it's like you're like twice a week. You're kidding me. But every family needs to decide what 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 clean is. You know how clean is clean enough. Don't, don't compare yourself to anyone else. Um, all right, so let's look at a couple specifics. One is laundry. My tip on that is do not make your uh, job harder than necessary. Um, if something does not have visible dirt on it or it does not smell bad, it is not dirty. Now, I would say um, for those of you with boys, when they get older, I kind of have the no sniff rule at my house. Like, I am not sniffing to see if it's dirty. So sometimes when they get older, you just might want to automatically just throw that in the dirty clothes. Um, but And I would say that it's not dirty if it doesn't smell or have dirt, except for socks and underwear. You probably just want to go ahead and put those in. Um, most of the time, jeans can be worn more than once. Towels can be used more than once. If you have kids who have trouble keeping their towels separate, you can get little uh, clothespins. I think they still sell those. And you can write their name on the clothespin and they can clothespin it to it so they'll know it's their towel. And you're like, you know, after we've used it two or three times, then we're going to put it in the washing machine. But you're clean when you get out of the bathtub. You dry yourself off. It's not really dirty. Um, Pajamas don't get dirty either, especially if they've bathed, got in their jammies, and they get in bed and they take them off the next morning. Um, Different ideas... And again, this is gonna this is gonna change. Like you might have a system that works great now, but it's it's not gonna stay the same. You can do laundry one day a week. That may work when they're really little. You're laughing. May work when they're really little and their clothes are this big. But when you have big teenagers, you can't do that anymore. And they smell too bad. If I waited a whole week, it would be like, oh goodness. Um, you can do one person's laundry a day. You can do laundry every day of the week. One idea would be to reward your kids for the least amount of laundry. Now you have to think about if you have one who's like that 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 would wear like stained grody clothes all the time. That's probably not a good idea. But that might be you know girls when they get older they love to try stuff on and somehow it never ends up back on the hanger. So you need to train them. It's the goal is less laundry. Uh, get your kids involved in doing laundry. They can sort colors if they're little and you're teaching them colors, white and dark and black or whatever. You can make it a game. Uh, one thing that works really well for some things is instead of folding it, you roll it. Like your hand towels in the kitchen, dish towels, roll those, put them in a drawer. You can roll shorts. You can roll all different kinds of things like that. And little kids, it's much easier to like roll a pair of shorts than it is to fold or like a shirt or something like that. So that's just a the idea. Now, I did a Google search. There's a zillion different ideas on laundry and things like that. But one thing... Um, that I read was um, to make the laundry a more pleasant task you should get a detergent or a fabric softener that you really like so it smells good when you do this and so Jill was laughing because I I don't know if y'all have seen these these Tide Pods and they look like like the little dishwasher tablets you can use you just throw this in your dish in your uh, washing machine you don't have to measure anything out and they smell great so I'm going to do a drawing so we give away the Tide Pods they sell these I just got this at Target but they sell them at Sam's too. So, they have bigger too. yeah. Emmy Lou. Yay! Emmy Lou's laundry can smell really good. All right. Uh, yeah. Let's. 
Let's do the basket too. I, this basket, I have a couple like this, and I don't really use mine for laundry. This is like a great clutter control thing, and I like it because you can stick it up under your arm, or you can smash it different ways, or you can put toys in here. You could keep junk in the back of your car, uh, like kids' shoes, or if you're going to the park or whatever. But anyway, just Target, and they're not that expensive. Um, but I like these baskets. Okay, this goes to Jenny. Last name is a B and a long. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you put a baby in it. Okay. All right, I'm looking at my stuff. Okay, uh, paper. All right, paper, and it, I would say if, if you're getting all your bills, like, through email or whatever, you've probably been able to cut down in your paper, but it still is absolutely amazing to me how much stuff comes in the mail. And then when you have kids and when they start school, the paper can become absolutely overwhelming. So you need a system to deal with that. I have one extreme example for you. I know a woman who just, this is kind of her deal, and she didn't like paper in her house, so she took her trash can with her to the mailbox. She opened the mail at at the curbside. She put all everything that was trash in the trash right there, and then she put everything for her husband in the trunk of her car, and she didn't bring anything into her house. Okay, now, I would not encourage anyone to do that, but, um, but I do think it is a good idea to open your mail at the trash can, because you can get rid of a lot of stuff right there. Um, have a place for your stuff. Like, I have an area in our kitchen where I put stuff that my husband needs to see. I, you know, I keep up with the bills and all that other stuff, but have a system that works for you for what you're going to do with all this stuff. Uh, have a bulletin board, like if if you, if you have a space where you can put invitations or things like that, of course, now a lot of it comes through evites, so that, that's kind of waning. But when your kids get older, there'll be schedules like the school calendar and sports schedules. And sometimes I'll put, like, coupons that I get um, that are going to expire. I'll stick them up there. But just the point is you don't have to do it the way I do it. Just have a way that you keep up with this stuff. Um, I have a, well, now it's, I have to confess, it's not a reading box anymore. It's like a giant stack. Like when stuff comes in, like catalogs or a magazine or something that I want to look at, I just have an area where I keep it. And then when we're going on a car trip or if I have any downtime or whatever, then I can go through that. But I would encourage you to have an area where you can keep stuff so that it's, doesn't distract you, but you can you can get to it if you want to. And sometimes it'll be so long I won't get to go through it, I'll just... Like, oh, well, this catalog's already two months old. I'll just throw this away. Let's see. Um, mail filing systems. I learned this a long time ago, and this is what works for me. I have two, two places that I keep stuff except for, like, insurance policies, um, health records, things like that. But your basic bills you pay, uh, like, you know, you have your air conditioner service and you have the receipt for that or you have your car worked on or whatever. I have two systems. I have a folder that's called filing and I have a folder that's called keepsakes. And at the end of the year, I take those and I put them in a big, uh, the big two-gallon Ziploc bags and I write on there, 2011 keepsakes, 2011 filing. And if I need to go back and look at something from the previous year, like we had something repaired and I can't remember exactly what they fixed, I can pretty much in my head remember, oh, the air conditioner broke in August, so I, I keep it in chronological order, so I'll just thumb through and then I can find it. It does not take me very long. So instead of having a folder for every single thing, it's worked great for me. Now the keepsakes, I have all these bags of keepsakes 
Hopefully one day when I'm old and bored and I don't have anything else to do, I will go back through there and reminisce about the stuff in my keepsake folder. But at least I've kept it and at least I know where it is. Um, Yes. You keep Emily's stuff and Daniel's stuff. It's all in one thing. No. My kids, I actually have, and this has been a great thing, I have a, like a pocket ringed binder that has like kindergarten through 12th grade. And I'll keep report cards in there, sports pictures in there, test results in there. Like if they got a ribbon for something, I'll put it in there. And it, at least I know where it is. So, yeah. So I have separate ones for, um, you know, like I said, insurance, like major papers that you want to keep separate and kids stuff. But the, the point is, it doesn't have to be what I do, but you just need to have a way to manage this and to keep and to keep up with it. One thing I do with my kids' schoolwork is um, my son likes to save everything. My daughter, not so much. But I have a folder for every subject, and I'll just stick his papers in there. And then at the end of the year, like I so right now, because it's close to end of school, it's pretty big. But then at the end of the year, I'll go through, and I might pull out, like, one English paper he wrote or whatever. When they're little, you might, like, keep their spelling tests from, like, September and one from May or something like that. But for me, it's easier to have the perspective of the whole year, so you're not trying to discern, is this worthy of keeping or should I throw this away? If you keep it all and then you go through it, you know, when the school year's over, then you can pull out a few prize pieces. You can kind of see how they've progressed throughout the year. That's just an idea. Um, Artwork, and I will say this, when they're really little and they come home with all this artwork and stuff, sometimes it's so easy to just throw it all away. But they won't be doing this forever, ladies. And so I would say if it's something that really touches your heart or is really sweet, keep that. Either stick it in your keepsake folder or take a picture. Now everybody's got a camera on their phone. You can take a picture of your child holding the artwork up on your phone. You can have that. I know a woman who, that's what she decorates with. Like at Valentine's Day, instead of having like Valentine's decorations, she saved like Valentine cards her kids had made and she pulled this, those out and they're now in college and she's got the little Valentines they made from when they're like five or six. So... And, and that's, it's hard to, when you're in it to discern, oh, I don't know if I should keep this or not. But those are just some ways you can, you can think about that without getting overwhelmed. Let's see. Paper, other paper things. One thing I think is helpful is to have a container or something like that where you have supplies and your kids know about it. So you've, Especially once they start school. You've got markers. You've got crayons. You've got pens, pencils, note cards, all that kind of stuff, extra poster boards so you're not having to run them back, back and forth to the office supply store all the time. All right, let's see. All right, food and meals. We're gonna do. Let's do. Yeah, we have. I have some cute folders for the paper, and these big jumbo two-gallon. Those are kitchen scissors. Uh, bags. Um, that I love. Alyssa Briggs. Lori Dupree. Is that right? Was that? Where's Alyssa? Put your me on. Okay. 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 All right. Okay, let's talk about food and meals real quick. All right, my, my saying with that is don't work harder, work smarter. And this should overwhelm you. 
You oversee 1,095 meals per year, not including snacks and parties. <laughs> yes, I got that off the Internet. Um, so that's kind of overwhelming. So that's, that's another good reason to get a system for this. But I would tell you, um, your attitude is more important as the ingredients in your meals. If you are not cheerfully serving your family food, then it doesn't matter what it tastes like. So you kind of set the tone for all this. And people will tell you family dinners are super important. You need to have a family dinner every night. I think family dinners are great, but you need to be realistic about family dinners. When my kids were really little and my husband works late, we would, we would try to wait for family dinner, but by the time he would get home, they were grouchy, starving, hungry. It just turned into this giant training session all the time. So it's kind of like, this is just not a good this is just not good for us. So I would feed them early. I would wait and eat with him after they'd gone to bed. Now that's what works for us. Again, every family's different. Just kind of figure out what's going to work. Um, and when they get older and they're in sports and stuff like that, it is very difficult to do. So do the best you can. Be flexible. Things you've got to have to get a handle on. Grocery shopping, planning meals, cooking, cleanup. There's all different kinds of apps on your phone, Grocery IQ and different things like that where you can have like a running grocery list of things you buy every week. You can add different things to them. I, for me, I'm just on the regular kind of paper list and then my kids know where it is. If they need something, they can go write it on there, which I know y'all can't. You can't. You're buying whatever they need. But when they get older, they can actually do that. Um, Having your pantry stocked with just basic stuff is a good idea. There's stuff online where you can look at like just basic things you should have in your pantry. Uh, meal planning, this you know varies when you're really little and you know you're going to be home every night of the week. It might be good to plan a meal. You can get your husband to help you with ideas. You can get your kids to help you with ideas. Um, cook ahead and freeze things. That's obviously a good thing. Um, food co-ops. Throughout the years, I've been in like three different food co-ops with people in our neighborhood or people in community group or somebody that my daughter took ballet with, and we would take turns every other week bringing a meal to ballet, and then that was one night a week that you knew you didn't have to cook. I would just say before you embark on something like that, be sure you like the other person's cooking um, and kind of you know, and give your family the heads up on that too. One thing I do now, I've done for about six years, I'm in what's called a frozen food network. And it's a group of women, and we have, let's say, 20 recipes. We vote on our top 10, and then somebody's assigned to make 10 of the same thing. And these are like entree items. We, you make 10 of the same thing, you freeze those, and then we go, and then we trade. And you keep up with the money so that everybody pays exactly the same thing. And that's worked great for me. If anybody's interested, my email's on this sheet. I have a whole folder of all these recipes. Like they're super simple. Like the last time I did it, I put 10 Solo cups on my counter. I measured all my ingredients in my Solo cups. I got my Ziploc bags. I put it in there. I added, I think it was doing uh, ribs. Put the ribs in there. It took me about maybe 45 minutes. And I, had, and I came home with 10 meals. So, anyway, it's a good one. Works for me. If you're interested, let me know. Um, if you're in a rut with your cooking, ask friends what they're cooking for dinner. Go online. Um, I like Pioneer Woman. I don't know if y'all, her website, just really fun. She's just a real person. And she, I don't necessarily cook what she's cooking, but you can look on there what different ideas, and then you can, like, oh, we haven't had pot roast in a long time, or oh, we haven't had pork chops or whatever. So just uh, ways to... Um, to come up with something new. I have some time-saving things in the kitchen that I like. I love kitchen scissors. Um, 
that you can cut onions, you can cut like you little ones, you're cutting the hot dogs up so they don't choke on them. You can cut grapes in half. You can cut waffles. Love kitchen scissors. Parchment paper, you put it on your cookie sheet when you're baking and you don't have to clean the cookie sheet afterwards. The steam bags for the uh, microwave that you can put vegetables in, you can even cook eggs in them. Uh, crock pot liners, if y'all have um, seen those, it doesn't mean you don't have to wash your crock pot, but it means you don't have to like scrub for three hours. So that's a big saving time. What else do I have over there? Oh, uh, brown bags for the oven. That's the same kind of thing. And the, uh, if you like to bake that spray flour, that's the Pam and the flour all in one can, so you don't have to do both. All right, I'm going to let Jill give these things away. Okay, come on up. Laura Hernandez. These are the, these are the steam bags. Y'all haven't seen them. You put, you put your vegetables in there. It's like a Ziploc bag, but it's for the microwave, and it's got on there like you have a full bag of broccoli. You cook it for three minutes, and you can put your seasoning in the bag, salt, pepper, whatever you want in the bag. Elizabeth Erickson. Yay. Julie Fricky. You can. You're welcome. Yep. And um, Koala Kerner. You can pick. Okay. All right. Okay, so those are just a few things that, like I said, the goal is to work smarter, not harder. All right. I'm going to get us going here. All right, hospitality. Look at different, even if you're if you're a Mary or a Martha, just things, some things to remember about hospitality. Um, hospitality is about others. It's not about yourself. First uh, Peter 4.9, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And I would say on this, um, I said this earlier, comparison is a thief of joy. So if you're going to have people over, don't get caught up in, I don't have my furniture, I don't have china, we don't have a rug, we don't have a house, we don't have a yard, or whatever. Just uh, be, be where you are. And hospitality spelled out, the H is for heart. I would say it's about making memories. It's not about making, about perfection. Uh, traditions and common experiences cement a family. There's something to be said for it. This is the way our family does it. And um, as your kids get older, when they uh, start going over to other people's houses and stuff, it's really interesting to be like, oh, wow, they, they do this at their family, or they, this is what's important to them, or whatever. So you are creating memories in your family, whether you're really intending to or not. Um, a couple, One example of that is... Um, my son loves birthdays, and he loves um, for me to decorate the table. So one year, he was way into Legos, and so I uh, had a tablecloth, and I built all sorts of things with Legos all down the center of the table, and that was the centerpiece. Well, then the next year, he wanted something like that, but he wanted Legos. So we've used, I mean, all different, like, trucks or different things. I mean, you don't have to spend a lot of money or anything like that, but it's a memory that he has now, and it's kind of become this tradition on his birthday that I'm going to do something on the table that's unique to him. That's kind of fun. Right. O is for obstacles. Would say no one notices the small stuff. Don't wait until you have the money, the space, the furniture to do something. If something's worth celebrating, it's worth celebrating no matter how simple. One story I have on that is when we first got married, uh, we did not have a very big dining room table, but I wanted to have our family over for Christmas. So I went to Lowe's and bought a big old giant piece of plywood and put it over the top of my dining room table.